Chinese New Year to all of you are, who are celebrating. Uh, I hope you get enough food and enough money. Um, so, um, okay. I just want to uh, thank you for our worship team. Um, I'm experiencing a really hard week this week, so please give me grace. <laughs> I'm really sleepy right now because um, I have three children, very small children on my own. And as you know, living in America, we do everything ourselves, scrubbing, cooking, prepping, and everything. And this week, my third son turns five, which by the grace of God, we made it this far. You know, if you live here and you take care of them by your own self, every single day is God's grace. You know, you're clinging to that life. You're clinging to Jesus every day. God, if you don't help me, I die. You know, like that's, that's my mantra every day because sometimes it gets really draining. Uh, so he turns five today. By the grace of God, we made it. And since Friday, um, I've been preparing for his gifts. You know, how many of you know that if the earthly mom and dad knows how to give good gifts to the, the kids, how will the, the Father in heaven prepare good gifts for you every day? Now, the thing is, last Friday, when we're busy baking cakes and preparing gifts and everything, my son has been throwing the biggest fit since morning, all Friday morning long. It was 12 p.m., and he already threw three tantrums, and I was alone at home with him. 9 a.m., after I drop off my big kids to school, he, he comes home. I made coffee. He was on the floor throwing biggest fit because his Lego broke. And then I try to, um, I try to um, um, make him feel better, tell him that, you know, Legos always break. And then an hour later, he threw another fit. Because something ripped. I don't know. It's just weird. Okay, the third one, when I was about to drop him off to school, he threw the biggest tantrum again because he fell asleep in the car. So I have to convince him, you know, come on. It's time to school. It's okay. Wake up. So by 12 p.m., I'm completely empty. I'm just so drained. So I text my husband, honey, I'm just so tired today. I don't know what's wrong. Everything's off. And then my husband asked me, what are you doing now? I was like, I'm wrapping gifts for him. <laughs> and then he's like, well, don't you think he deserves a punishment instead of gifts? <laughs> but then, like, it's his birthday, and he's my son, and my plan for him is always to give him good gifts, right? Our pl God's plan for you, and God spoke to me that day and saying, you know what, Joy? God's plan for you is not depending on your performance every day. So because sometimes we may fail, sometimes we may, we may not have it all together, sometimes we may throw the biggest tantrum to God and everything, but our God in heaven is still thinking about the good plans for you. It's not because of your performance, but it's because of his purpose, his performance for you and the status that he is our father and he always think of good gifts. So here, here I am, 12 a.m., so, 12 p.m., so tired, but I'm by myself. I'm wrapping gifts. I'm preparing uh, cakes and everything because it doesn't matter what his performance, but my love for him remains the same. Amen? So today I just want to encourage all of you today that um, 2 Corinthians 12 says this, Paul, Paul, Apostle Paul says this, to keep me from being proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged God to take it away and each time God said, you know what, my grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. So now Paul said, I'm glad to boast about my weakness because then the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness 
in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in troubles that I suffer for Christ. Because when I am weak, then I am strong. How many of you today know, okay, my, the title of my sermon is that there's a purpose to your pain and there's testimony for your trial. Amen. Have you ever watched Wreck-It Ralph before? Okay, I watched the Transformation Church and this speaks to me. This message speaks to me. Because how many of you know that Fenelope, there's two characters in Wreck-It Ralph. One is Ralph and one is Fenelope. And a lot of people want to disqualify Fenelope because she got glitch. She got a glitch. She got a weakness. And everybody's like, you're disqualified. You're not supposed to be in this race. You should, you're supposed to be out of this race. But in the end of the movie, how many of you find out that her, actually her glitch is actually the, her, her superpower that makes her win the race. Because when she glitch, she can actually glitch through all the, um, uh, the, 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 the courses. When there is uh, uh, troubles and when there's trials, she can glitch through it. And that makes her win. So today, God wants to encourage us that our weakness boasts in it. In our trial, there's triumph in the end. There is purpose for our pain and, and there's strength in our weakness. And in our glitch, God's grace will turn it into superpower. Amen? Amen? Okay, let's read from James 1 verse 2. Dear, dear brothers and sisters, when trouble of any kind come your way, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow from when endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So this is only the only verse that Pastor Irwan gave us and we're going to grind on it today, right? So what does it mean when troubles of any kind come your way? Consider it a joy. I mean, are you serious, God? Like, it doesn't seem like a joy right now when I'm dealing with a tantrum kid, right? It doesn't seem like a joy when you're dealing with a challenging boss and an annoying friend or, you know, whatever trials that you're, you're going through every day, going to, going to a dead-end job. It doesn't seem, I'm not going to shout for joy when, yay, I'm going to face my challenging boss today and my annoying friends at work, yes. The Bible doesn't say for you to force your joy and the Bible doesn't say for you to fake your joy. But the Bible said that you should consider it a joy. What does it mean to consider it a joy? The Hebrew word for consider is actually an active uh, decision. It's an active thing. It's not a normal, natural thing to feel joy in the midst of trial. It says hegeomai. Hegeomai is the, the, the Hebrew word for consider, for counted joy. And hegeomai is actually a, an accounting. How many of you here is accountants, numbers people, engineer people? Okay, so it's actually a financial term because hegemai means that it is to categorize, to judge and to consciously rule over that this trial will be counted as joy. So when you see numbers in accounting, you have two choices. Either you put it in a positive ledger or a negative one, right? So this word consider joy is to put your trials in the category of positive, of joy. Not as, why me, Lord? Oh my gosh, Lord, why? But it's like, okay, it's probably a, an opportunity for me to grow. It's probably a positive thing, right? So why is it pos positive? I mean, how? So it's a conscious decision. Everybody say, conscious decision for me to put my trials under the category of joy. Category of good things. First, oh, there's so many verses. Can you go to the next verse? 
there's so many verses that says that be glad in your trials. 1 Peter 1, be truly glad. There, be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. So that's a good news. That's temporary, right? Trials, this trial is temporary. Download that into our souls. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purified gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. Next slide. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials. Man, the Bible mentioned it over and over again. Don't be surprised by these trials you're going through. As if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad. Again, don't force it, don't fake it. But choose to count it as joy. Be very glad. For these trials make you partners with Christ in His suffering. So that you will have wonderful joy of seeing His glory when it's revealed to all the world. 1 Peter 5, in His kindness, God called you to share in His eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered, again, He said, for a little while, God will restore, support, and strengthen you. And He will place you on a firm foundation. The good news is this. It's probably help for us to count these trials as joy if we can see the big picture if we can see the purpose, for example, this. How many of you are having like New Year's resolution for 2020? You know, it seems cliche in every church. You must talk about vision, you know, hindsight 2020, clear vision, you know, all this Christian jargons. But New Year's resolution is important. And how many of you, just like us, always put like exercise, sleeping, eating healthy, as always as a part of your, your resolution. And sometimes you made it, sometimes you fail, right? If, if it's up to me, I really, I really still confuse right now why people run. Because to me, running is like equals torture. Why do people exercise? Because I would rather sit on the beach or, you know, watch This Is Us or some, some really melodrama. That's, that's, that's my choice of fun, you know. But why do people torture themselves to go for an exercise, to go for a run, to go for a treadmill. How many of you is a, has gym membership? How many of you run? I commend you for that. Like, I really respect you for that. My brother said he's training. This week, I can do one mile. Next week, two miles, three miles, four miles. And then, okay, I really commend people who runs. But you know, as much as this exercise and, and running and eating healthy is challenging, how many of you know that once you actually do it, you actually feel good? You actually feel good in your body because you know there's a purpose for this, right? You feel good because it releases endorphins. It, you know this is good for your body. And in the end of it, you feel satisfied. You feel, you're, you feel so accomplished and dang it, it was good, you know? Because why? Because while you're in that trial, in that challenge, you, you tell yourself there's a purpose for this, for this pain. I want to see abs, right? I want to see. I want to see. I want to see that weights come off from my from my scale. You want to see results. So, why don't we transfer that joy while you're running to these trials that we're doing, we are facing every day in our workplace, in our home, dealing with tantrum t toddlers, because there's a purpose for your pain. We're training for endurance. We're training for muscles. We're training for, for marathon. Amen, guys? So God says, don't give up. Don't be discouraged today. Let's, let's look at uh, the life of uh, Joseph. Because the life of Joseph is just very relatable. I feel like his life is where it's a, it's, um, 
is so far from perfect and he's so full of weakness. But in the end, there's a future glory in his life that I want you to see. So we can be encouraged. Oh my gosh, there's a future glory for my challenges today. Amen. So let's read from Genesis 37. I promise you this will be really fast, guys. Genesis 37, it says that Jacob settled in the land of Canaan when his father had lived as a foreigner. And then he said, mm. Joseph was still 17. He often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers. And then the dad loved Joseph more than anything. So Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brother hated Joseph because their father loved him very, very much, more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to them, to him. One night, Joseph has a dream. Now, it all started with a dream. I relate with that because a lot of us here, God gave you an ideal dream, right? It's an ideal, like, okay, perfect family, perfect job, um, perfect community and everything. But sometimes there's a gap between that dream and our reality. When Joseph told his brothers about his dream, they hated him even more. Listen to this dream, he said, Joseph said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundles stood up and your bundles all gathered around mine and they all bowed down to mine. And the second dream he has, he talked again to them and he said, hey, I have another dream. The sun, the moon and 11 stars all bowed down low before me. And that made the, the dad and the brothers really angry. What kind of dream is that? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? So the brothers were jealous of Joseph. And then his father wondered what the dreams meant. So I relate to Joseph because when we are young, we're very ideal. And we have this picture in our mind about the dream that God wants to give us. We have a stable job. We have six figures income. We have really angelic boss that say, hey, you know what? 50% of your time you can work from home. 50% you can come in, but you will still be paid the same. And there's this ideal in our mind that we have like six months paternity leave, six months maternity leave. We have, we have um, well-behaved babies that never throw tantrums. You know, like there's this ideal that we have. And the reality that we are, we are facing right now, here we, here we are driving to, to work and everything sucks <laughs> and I don't want to see my, my, the face of my boss today. I don't want, and why am I still single, God? When, when are you going to give me a spouse? In your dream, I have a wife and, and well-behaved children all wearing matching clothes and smiling for Easter photos. What happened to my reality? Why is there a gap right now between what I have in my mind, my ideal, and what I'm facing every day? Now, you have to be careful because we have to differentiate between God's dream and man's dream. Who are you comparing your reality today? Are you comparing it to God's given vision for your life? Or you're comparing yourself to the ideal of the society? Because if we're comparing our life right now to the ideal that the society is painting, we will feel frustrated day and day because that's not where God wants you to go. We need to compare ourselves with God's vision every day no matter how impossible it is. What's the difference? How, do you, how can you tell the difference between man's dream, your ambitions, and God's vision? Sometimes, this is how you know. When God gives you dreams, usually it will even startle you. It will shock you. It's bigger than we can ever imagine because, dude, that's impossible. I can never do that. If your goal is for you to get married, have kids, and have six-figure, have a house, have a picket, uh, 
a white fence and a dog, then it's probably just your dream, <laughs> you know. But we have to think bigger. We have to think God's vision, not man's, man's painted, you know, perfect picture, perfect life. So go back before this. The picture perfect dream is what the society is after right now. But again, guys, let's go after God's dream, amen. Let's go after, let's not be satisfied we're with where the society is defining success nowadays. Um, we have to, don't settle for man's dream, but we have to go after God's impossible dream, no matter how impossible it, it, it seems right now. Now, before Joseph reached that God-given dream for him, he has to go through three stages of trials. And I've, I find myself really relatable to everything that all the crap that he had to go through, I relate because that's very human. That's very, uh, that's very um, realistic to our everyday life. Okay, the first, the first trial that he has to go through is the pit. Can you go to the next slide, please? The, the pit. The minute he mentioned and he speak out God's dream in his life, the devil come to kill, steal, and destroy it, right? So the first thing the devil do, did was to strip him out of his rope, his sense of security, his sense of pride, his sense of, of um, uh, his, his, his coat of security that my dad has it all together. God said, no, that has to go. Your dependence has to be on God alone. Amen. So the, the, the brother stripped off his rope. And then after that, uh, Genesis 37 Verse 23, when Joseph arrived to his brothers, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. And verse 24, then they grabbed him and he threw them into the cistern. Now the cistern or the pit, basically it's like a dark well, was empty and there was no water in it. The pit represents a dark place of uncertainty. The pit represents a place of not knowing what's going to come next, not knowing the future. How many of you know what's gonna, exactly what's going to come in your future? Two, three months down the road. I want to counsel with you. Can you counsel me? Because if you know, I want to know too because I don't, right? And the pit represents a place that we have to be full, fully dependent on God because we just can't see. Sometimes it takes within days between Joseph can see in clarity what God wants for him. And everything now becomes dark and blurry and disorienting and like, God, I don't know what's going to happen to my visa next. I don't know what's going to happen in my relationship next. I don't know how my kid is going to turn out. When he, like, is it even going to count whatever I'm pouring out to him? Is, is, I don't know what's going to happen next. And sometimes not knowing can disorient you. It can make you feel um, helpless. And it's just, it's, it's, it's just like when you're in a car and you feel the motion sickness. Because there's a gap between what you see, like when you're reading in the car, like your body's moving, but your, your vision is actually fixated towards not moving things. So there's a disconnect between your brain and the reality. So motion sickness, like darkness and uncertainty can feel very disorienting because there's a gap, right, between reality and God's dream. What do I do when my my daughter feels motion sickness in the car. My husband always say, look outside, Ellie, look outside. Look, fix your eyes on the horizon. It will help you balance out the motion sickness in your brain. What this means is that when we feel it's uncertain and dark, 
fix our eyes on? Jesus in the light. Because that's the only thing that is clear in our season of uncertainty. God's voice and his plans for you is always perfect. If you go to the next slide. I really love this quote because it says, I discovered something very attractive about uncertainty. Because there's one knowledge. Then we can focus on one thing in the horizon that God is in control. Even when we don't. And that I was depending on him in my every moment of uncertainty. Amen. When it's dark, it's easy to see the light. I, I, I remember the most disorienting time in my life is when I lost my brother-in-law. It was about 18 years, no, 12 years ago um, when Martin, my husband, lost his, his brother from colon cancer. And at that time, it was disorienting for me because my, my, my vision is that I'm going to have a perfect wedding and Mario is going to be our best man. That's my perfect vision. But then five months before our wedding, I got a call when I had, uh, I was in my job training and Martin called me and he said, Joy, we're in the hospital and we just get a vo a news from the doctor that he's in stage four already, colon cancer. So after that, everything went dark and everything was a blur for me because we, me and my husband went from, you know how wedding preparation is supposed to be, cake testing and color, color, like I prep, I prep for Anne's wedding and it was so fun because we, we pick colors and we pick dresses and it was really, really fun. But when it was my, me and Martin's wedding, it was really dark because for us, it, we went back and forth between hospital visits and dress fitting and then cake testing and then we have to go to hospital again. So it's just wedding, wedding and hospital, wedding and hospital. So I remember one day, I went down to, I had this hard conversation with fi my family. Um, finally, Jesus took Mario to heaven. And then at that time, we were faced in a very deep grief. And we were asking each other, should we continue with our wedding or not? Because there's no way we have four wedding four months after a funeral. And that will be really weird for the family. So um, I remember we were praying about it. And we were thinking of canceling everything. And then I went down to my garage and everything, everything was pitch dark. And I was so disoriented. And I cry out to God, God, what do you mean by this trial? This is really hard for me. I cannot see the future. Everything is so uncertain. And what do I do? How many of you know that when we are in a really pitch darkness, God's voice could be the clearest? Because that's the only thing that you can hold on to. And in that Inside my car, in my minivan, after I prayed with my husband, I was by myself. God really spoke to me and he said, you know what? Everything will bring good for those who love me. And when my disciple was in the storm, in that lake, I never asked them to U-turn and then cancel everything and turn back. You keep going. So that's the word. That's very clear. So I said, honey, don't cancel this. I think Mario would want us to continue with our wedding but let's not replace our best man. So there was no best man in our, our wedding because he was irreplaceable. Nobody could replace his place until today. So we continue everything. But that's what I want to testify to you, that in, trial, in trials, God's voice becomes really clear. And our Savior was born in a dark manger where everything around them is messy. And it was dark and it was smelly. It was like full of a dark horse poop even it's not a fancy vip hospital in 
Pondok Indah, you know, it's not evergreen hospital. It's a manger. But in the midst of the darkness, there's one light. And the light is Jesus. And the light is inside that manger. Hold on to that. Amen. Next slide. After that pit, <laughs> Joseph, Joseph came out, right? And he thought, okay, everything's over. It's time for dream come true, happily ever after. Wrong. He was brought to the palace, but it was not Cinderella Disney Palace. We thought that, oh, yeah, my Prince Charming's coming. Everything's happily ever after, you know. No. He was sold as a slave in Egypt. And when God tests you, it's probably come from one trial to another because it will develop endurance. And God said, not yet. Not yet, but keep going, keep going, okay? This is probably level two in Mario Bros. So Jesus, um, Joseph was brought to the palace. If you read in Genesis 37, uh, this is a very short verse. I'm going to read to you. Um, after he threw Joseph to the pit, um, just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and they saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming towards them. It was a group of Ishmaelites, traders, taking a load of gum, balm, aromatic resin. And then J Judah said to his brother, uh, how about we don't kill him and then we just sell them to these traders. And then verse 36, it said, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt when they sold Joseph, where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, the office of the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar was captain of the palace guard. So now he's in Egypt. Egypt represents a place way out of your comfort zone, way from the comfort of your dad, the covering of your parents, the comfortable, colorful rope of pride that you can break around, you know. He is a slave now. The palace is a place of, um, we're going to talk about prosperity later, but for now, Egypt represents a place that is way out of his his comfortable um, zone. So um, how many of you relate that sometimes um, we God placed us in a place where we cannot depend on anybody else but Him? If we are working full-time in a company, um, maybe the company requires to give more than you can give. Or when we're taking our care of our kids every day and our kids require more than we can ever give. And sometimes we feel like, God, this is so far away from from my comfort zone and my support. Genesis 30, 39 verse 2. This is what I want to encourage you with today. But the Lord was with Joseph. Genesis 39 verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph. So Joseph succeeded in everything he did as he served the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that God was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. And this pleased his boss, so he soon made Joseph the personal attendant. He put Joseph in charge for his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household hold and property, God began to bless his boss' household for Joseph's sake. And all his Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except for what, what kind of food to eat. So when you're in Egypt, this is sometimes also a place where God answers your prayers, where God gives you prosperity. But be careful that there's two, um, there's two temptations when we're in the palace, when God gives us prosperity. God's going to bless you. He's going to give you wisdom, right? But the, the, the temptation when we're already in Egypt in the palace and God gives you success is 
for us first to grow complacent and second is for us to compromise because that's what happened to Joseph. What happened to Joseph is that he is now in a good place. He found favor and success and sometimes a lot of Christians stop in this stage of the palace. You know what, God? I think this is enough. Lah. I think I prayed so hard for a visa. Finally, I get it. I prayed for so hard for the wife. Finally, I got a hot one. I prayed so hard for kids. And finally, I got healthy babies, you know. And God will prosper you for sure. That's his promise. But then what do you do with it? Remember, even in the blessing, there's a purpose for your blessing. You cannot stop there. So there's a, there's a temptation to stop in Egypt. But God said, not yet. Keep going. This is not the final purpose for you. And second is the place that we are tempted to compromise, compromise. Because everything is comfortable. Like what, what, Jesus, uh, what Joseph is going through. Uh, there's a, this uh, lady that said, hey, Joseph, lay down with me. Come on, just a little bit. It's fine. And there's a temptation when you're in a comfortable place for you to lay down in bed with lust. Lay down in bed with depression. Lay down in bed with anxiety or fear. And don't fall for that. Amen. And what Joseph is doing is that he fleed from all that temptation of complacency and, and uh, compromise. Amen. So last one, last point. After he's done with that uh, palace and he thought he's done, he had to go to the prison. And um, I think it's because he rejected the, the lustful lady. He had to be thrown to prison. Now prison represent sometimes unexpected things that happen in our life that we don't know how to react to. So it might be a sudden layoff or a negative diagnosis from the doctor, a betrayal from a friend, a bad news from our children's um, uh, teachers or any kind of bad news that you can get. And Joseph has to go through uh, that decision that was really unfair to him. But again in Genesis 39, it said the Lord was with him even in the prison and God showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. My last point is that even in the prison, even when in, you're in the midst of trial and unexpected things, this is exactly where you will rediscover the purpose of God in our life. This is a place. In prison is where Joseph realized that he has a gift of interpreting dreams. And this is the place where everything is so, it's so unexpected, so bad. But then he found the exact purpose that will make him from prisoner to a prime minister within a day. So he found his gifts during this prison season. So when you find yourself in a mundane situation, I have to go to work every day. I have to face this every day. I have to um, uh, do the same responsibility every day. Remember that there's a purpose behind it that God wants you to, to discover. In my dead-end job, I was selling copiers. Apparently, God was training me to preach the gospel, maybe. I didn't know. When I was going to work to sell copiers, I was crying every day because, God, this is so hard. And my job really sucks. You know, like, what is this? But when I present copiers, God is training me to speak with confidence that if you can sell copiers, then now how about you sell Jesus? <laughs> you know, like, there's a training and a purpose behind your prison season. Amen? So let me close with this, guys. In the end of this, Joseph becomes the solution and the savior for his entire family and nations. But he had to went through these trials. 
So can you consider it joy? Because these trials produce endurance and the, in the end, future glory for God. Last, last verse. Uh, yeah. What is the purpose of, of all this? When Joseph was no longer prideful and braggy and, you know, like, um, he's ve- he was very uh, childish, gitu ya, kayak bragging. In the end, he was mature and then he said this to his brother, you intended to harm me. Hey, but you know what? God made it all for good. And he brought me to this position right now so that I could save the lives of many people. How many of you know that the trial that you're going through right now is going to be for salvation for a lot of people? I asked my sister if I can uh, show you, I can share with you this testimony. But um, she said, yes, absolutely, because she said that there's a purpose for her pain, and this is the purpose for her pain. Uh, About 2017, uh, my sister was pregnant. She was just married, and then she shared with all of us a video, a surprise video that said, hey, you're going to be an uncle, and you're going to be an auntie, and hey, mom and dad, you're going to be a a grandpa and grandma. We were so happy and excited. Uh, That was the best Christmas gift, 2017. Um, But then we realized after about six weeks that we lost the baby for the first time. And then at that time, we were really devastated because uh, my sister was the kind of person who born right away with the baby. There's a type of mom who is like, ah, it's okay, maybe it's just, you know, like uh, I'm growing fat in my belly and then you don't born until you actually see the baby in the monitor. But my sister was the, the type of person who born with the baby since day one. She prayed for him. She, she knows he's a boy. I don't know for some reason. She anointed him every day. She write journals for him, promises of God, you know. Uh, for his her first baby, so when we lost him, she she was really really sad. She was really devastated, and I remember when the doctor uh, told her that um, that the baby was gone. Uh, that night, she she got a dream. She got a dream. So in her dream, there's this chubby boy, and she was holding the boy, and then she told me she the boy was really chubby and he was curly and he has chubby. Um, chubby arms and chubby feet and I was just kissing him and kissing him and kissing him and I didn't want to let him go but then I re- and then I remember her say but I, then I saw Jesus I saw Jesus in the end of the of my dream and Jesus said it's fine so I and by the way she said and this boy has curly hair and then my, my sister said so I let him go I let this baby go to the arm of Jesus and then she said um, because Jesus said, come, come. And then the boy ran to Jesus and Jesus just, just hugged him. And then my sister said, then I release him. I know that he's in Jesus' hands. So that was her first miscarriage. And then she got pregnant again, 2018. And then the second time she lost the baby too. And then the, the third time she lost the baby, three times. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, this is... Okay. And then after the third time, I didn't know what to... What to talk to her, how to console her, because like I can console her the first time. I can probably console her the second time, but the third time we were just at loss of words. I mean, like, how can we consider it joy, God? This is so bad. This is really bad. And I remember her going through a stage of anger and frustration and depression. And I feel so helpless because I'm so close to her, and this time I cannot be there for her. I cannot help her. And then I was just praying and fasting and praying and fasting. 
And then I remember one night she called me, and then I, I expected a tantrum for her from her. You know, like God is so, why is God so mean? G, I lost my baby three times. I expected her to complain. But after she lost the third baby, she called me one night, and then she said this. I think I know why I have to go through this. And she said, maybe there's a purpose for this pain. You know, after I went through life and death, I feel like life doesn't matter anymore. Thank you. I feel like, and she said that maybe God wants me to help the girls that have difficulty being pregnant one day. And maybe because I go through this pain, I can identify and I can feel the pain of a people who lost their babies. So because of this, I, uh, the Indo word for, for this is like, I think I accept this. That's what she said. Because there's a purpose for this pain. And then um, that night, I know that even, even by these three losses, she already awakened something in my heart. That to life is Christ and to die is gain. And she ignited a fire in me that, hey, life, what, what does life mean, even mean? Does it really matter that you go on vacations and you have big house and you have perfect kids? Does it even matter if it's not for God's purpose? And in the end, she said, it's all about purpose, G. It's all about purpose. And I know and I know and I know, she said, there's going to be a testimony in the end of this. There's going to be a testimony. There's going to be a message in the end of this. And I'm going to help people that has difficulty having babies. That's what she said. I don't have a picture with me, but three days ago, her fourth baby was born, Jaden Isaiah. And God was faithful and he was healthy. He was a promise from God that this is what God said, that there's a future glory for your trials and pain today. And then she said, she just posted one post on Instagram and said, this baby is no longer mine, it's yours. And she shared her story there. And, she, and from, since that post, she said she received a lot of messages from people who has difficulty conceiving. And she could pray with them. She could minister to them in a depth that we can never reach. Because she identified with that pain. So my question to you is this. What if the only weakness that you think is disqual disqualifying you is actually the only thing that God says, I'm going to use that. What, is the, what if the glitch that you think, oh, you know what, I'm addicted to pornography right now. I'm addicted to lust. I cannot, God. What if that's the only glitch that God said, you know what, I'll take it. I'll use it. And my grace is the flipping point that will change your weakness into strength. And you're going to overcome it, not because you can, but because I can. And because my grace is sufficient for you and my power and your weakness, I am strong. And you're going to identify with people who struggle with it. You're going to help many, many lives. And then Genesis 50, just like what Joseph said, you know what devil, you intended to harm me, but God turned it for good. And he brought me into this position. Everybody said position, position. Very unique place, unique position. So I could save the lives of many people. The purpose is salvation. The purpose is for his glory. The purpose is for you to trust God. 
the purpose is for you to endure, to develop strength and endurance. And the purpose is for His glory. Amen. Can we stand in our feet right now? Give glory to God. Let's stand in our feet. Let's, let's just make a conscious decision today that we're going to count it as joy. These challenges and these trials that we have to save, we have to, to face every day. Because in my weakness, then God is strong. He's not going to disqualify you. He's going to take the exact thing that makes it your weakness, the thorn in your flesh. He's going to take it and He said, you know what? My grace is sufficient. What if I'm going to turn it for good for you to bring glory to my name? There's a purpose for your pain. There's a testimony for your trials. Keep going. Don't stop in Egypt. Don't get discouraged in the pit. Don't be satisfied in the palace and be complacent. Don't get discouraged in the, in the prison. God is not done with us yet. Come on, Lord. Do what only you can, Lord. Speak encouragement to our hearts, Lord. Lord, we need you, God. We need you today. We need you, Jesus. Let's declare this with faith.